Bang. Ryan Dowling raced her on goal before an incredible move of Keane Mulligan meant the ball found the opposition's net to spark celebrations on the sideline. Although the game was not over yet, RCC needed a score to win the game. They kept the pressure on the CCM Spittle defence and their hard work finally paid off. A brilliant turnover from Jack Hayes meant there was a chance for Ryan Dowling to win the game. He danced around the defence and slotted the ball over the bar to win the game for Roscommon Community College. Absolutely incredible from the Kilbride man, scoring his ninth point of the game, in addition to his goal. CCM Spittle had the final say in the game. They had a free, but goalkeeper Sean Allen watched the ball sail wide of his right post, much to the delight of the RCC supporters. The referee blew his full-time whistle, resulting in delight for players and management. A huge congratulations to the team and management on a brilliant Connacht final victory. This was well-deserved after the immense effort produced by all involved over the course of the year. Well, that certainly sounded like it went right down to the wire. And I have to go, Grace, Chloe, you're also at the game. And I heard there's a little bit of tension. Talk to me about that. Oh, the tensions took a physical turn, Heather. I'm telling you now, only after 20 minutes into the game, things took a turn and it really set the tone for the game. Yeah, do you know, we could just tell from the start that both teams just really just wanted this game and it just took the physical turn. Oh no, that's never great to hear. But back onto the football pitch, back with the football in hand. Who was your star player? Who was your player of the game? So mine now was Connor Harris. He just really stepped up to the mark just to score the leveller of the game for to make sure we got into extra time. Oh yeah. And Connor Harris, as brilliant as he was, I feel Ryan Dowling really just took the game in his stride um on Monday when he scored one nine. And to win the game for RCC in the final few minutes was just brilliant and uh, they should be very proud of themselves. Well, thank you very much and well done to the junior footballers for winning. So now me and Heather are joined with Azidro, who is the captain of the junior boys team. And can you tell us a bit about your last game? I know it was a great win. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here, but uh, it was a big game, you know, a long campaign from uh, the Connor competition all year and then it ended on a high note with the win there on the final. Oh yeah, we're, we caught a few of the games and the team were absolutely brilliant. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the final. How did you go? Did it go right down to the wire? I heard it was an extra time victory. Uh, it did, yeah. It was a really tight game, you know, only a couple of points in it. And then, you know, Connor Harris really kept us in at the end. He got a, maybe in the last 30 seconds, kept us in it with a score. Then it went to extra time where we managed to pull off the win. Wow, what what a game as well. We were lucky to watch it. And, I mean, you were one of the players that stood out along with, like, Ryan Dallin throughout the whole campaign. But, again, so post-COVID, this is kind of the first time we've got to really play in the last two years. And it's a testament that the team did so well. And how did it feel to captain the team on this momentous day? Uh, it was great. You know, it's, it was really sad that Tommy couldn't be there with us. But uh, it was great because the lads are a great bunch. It's good to lead them out there on the pitch. Definitely, yeah. Um, so where were you playing on the uh, day? I was playing fullback. Oh yeah. Do you normally play that position? Yeah. Um. So obviously, a big congratulations to Mr. Timmins as well, who is your coach. How do you think? Um, he took the win. 
Uh, he, he was he was really happy after that. But uh, Mr. Timmons and Mr. Martin, the both of them, done great this year. You know, from September right up until now. Yeah, sure, Definitely. of course. Yeah, they're brilliant coaches. Yeah, and of course they have a brilliant team behind them, or else he wouldn't have won. So exactly. Yeah. Thank you very Thank you. much, Cedric. So me and Even have the pleasure of covering the first years throughout the year. It was very, very enjoyable, and we saw some a great, a very high standard of football, and it really all resulted in this final. So even tell us about their Connacht final. Um, yeah. So history was made when our first year footballers won on Friday with their school. They were the first team in a long time to win the Connacht title. So well done to them, definitely. A long campaign of the fifth match, with, which began in a cold, biting February. RCC were the quickest with the settling of stunning uh, cross Malina with two goals in the first minute. In a move to direct from their training ground, Roy Connolly won the first throw-in, who kicked past it to Mark Shalley, who sent a long kick to Cormac Nocton at a full forward. Once he turned on his marker, there was only one thing on his mind, and he blasted the ball into the net. Straight from the kick-out, Daniel Hanmore fielded exchanged passes with Ben Feely, who was then tying up with, with Cormac to palm into the net. Cross Malina were at the sixes and the sevens as RCC took control in midfield with Luke Shalley, Mark Shalley and Diego. Fifteen minutes had last before Carlos Lamina got their first score a goal. Um, as first time as as the first half approached, RCC looked and they already had settled in a tie with Shawnee Fallon, Rory Connolly and Nocton, again adding up the points to the scoreboard half time three oh five to one oh two. If Cross Lamina supporters were expecting a fight back on the resumption of the first of the second half, sorry, they were to be disappointed. It was RCC who had started like the teams that were behind Cormac Nocton added in another point to his tally, as did Ben Feely, Mark Shalley, Daniel Hanmore. Cross Lamina pulled down as they got up the other score, which resulted in a penalty. Cross Lamina had a brief period of dominance, ta- taking more than four points. However, at the end of the third quarter approach, they began to get more desperate as they shot up the, the score goals. Fortunately, RCC goalkeeper Nathan Flynn to the top form. He had produced two excellent saves in that period, which finally broke to cross Malina's sprint and their heads began to drop. Sensing this, the RCC management made some tactical substitutions in effort to defend their considerable lead with Ben Kilroy, um, boys like Owen O'Brien, Liam Connolly, Connor Byrne and Adam Leonard. So the foundation for this win was based on the fine defence performance from the goalkeeper Nathan Flynn to defenders Aaron Connolly, William Staunton, Ryan Hoare, David Glancy, Pierce Fannin and Keen Hayes. Liz Namona had no answer to the midfield partnership with Luke Shalley and Ryan Connolly who dominated from the first throw-in had ensured a superb forwards like Cormac Nocton and Mark Shalley, um, who had plenty of possession. Well, it sounds like uh, on this occasion there are a lot of great, great performances. Unlucky to cross Malina, but they really, I, you know, they tried very hard. But who was your player of the game? The man of the um, match. So there was many uh, performances, um, befitting man of the match award. But I have to say Cormac Nocton. Um, I would have to give it to him. You know, he ended with a professional tally of two goals to five points from full forward. So he is definitely the deserving winner. What is two goals and five points? That is unreal for the young player. And he'll be a great force. He's going to be well marked now next season. Uh, Thank you very much and well done to the first years.
Right, so me and Evan have the pleasure of bringing you an interview from one of the RCC's star men, Rory Connolly, a key member of the first year team. And first, before we get started, we'd just like to congratulate you on winning the final. It's a great achievement. But so tell us a little bit, so what position do you play? Oh, I was at midfield on the day. Oh, wow. Midfield, a lot of running there. And how do you think the team did overall? Uh, very good, like, like they scored a lot. Uh, Actually, that's the most important thing, getting the scores. And in the end, was it a close game or...? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't oh. like that. We were surprised to win it by, much, by that much. Oh, so you ran away with it? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really, really good. And so, apart from yourself, obviously, was there any kind of standout players or anyone? Um, there was, like, there was a good few. There was a lot that played very well on the day. Uh, like Mark Shelley and, like, Cormac Knox and Pierce Fan, all of them, Ben Feely, like, Luke Shelley, they all played very well. I bet watching it they were they did unreal and just before we go of course we need to thank Mr Timmins did he give you any words of advice before the game or anything moment of inspiration uh, so like just like he's like it was it would be the first thing to win in obviously history so I suppose like he really wanted to win yeah yeah of course Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, Grace, you are at the under-14 girls' blitz. Uh, I sure is great fun getting to see the ladies on their last run out of the year, of course, before they go to the Dome and Ballyhonis on Thursday, which will be very, very exciting. But tell us about this blitz. It was brilliant. So our under-14 footballers completed their season when they took part in the recent Roscommon Leitrim PPS blitz in Carrick and Shannon. We were in a group of five and in our first match we took on Carrick and Shannon, beating them comprehensively and performing extremely well with fantastic scores from Alana Campbell. Our second match was against Drum Shambo. Maeve Carley, between the posts, pulled off some outstanding saves to keep us in the game when Drum Shambo were on top. But all credit to our ladies, particularly an excellent defensive display from Julia, Grace Dowling and Megan Feeney, allowed Keely Kelly to score the winning point in injury time. Two wins from two. Strokes now were very strong and despite a courageous performance, we were well beaten. We needed to win our final game against Abby Boyle. Leah Flynn and Mia Gately battled hard in midfield, while Shannon Gavin, Sarah Stevens, Lisa Morris, Ellen Egan and Ellen Hennehan kept the scoreboard ticking over. We were winning into injury time until Boyle goals to knock us out of the tournament. After two hours of football, our ladies were very unlucky not to make the later, latter stages. Our ladies must be complimented for their excellence of their performance and their dedication to training since last September. Well done, ladies. Much thanks also to their coaches, Miss Fleming, Miss Shields and Miss Gibbons for all their hard work organising matches and planning training. Because, of course, without the coaches, there would be no teams. That's it, exactly, Heather. And, you know, the under-14s, first year, a lot of them, it's, they're only in first year and they're only just going to get better and hopefully they'll reach a semi-final. There's a lot of potential that awaits these young girls. I agree, a lot of potential. And, you know, they're go- definitely going to get to kind of fulfil that potential throughout the years in the school. You know, a lot of them still have five, six more years. That's Thanks exactly. very much, Grace. No. Fascinating read. Or, er, well, listen, because, of course, this is a podcast. Um. Hello, I am joined here with Heather and I, and also Miss Shields, the coach of the athletics team in our school. So yesterday we had a competition in Athlone, so can you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so yesterday we were at the South Connacht at AIT, the Athlone has shipped uh, the track up there. Um, we had a great day out, there was 11 students competing, and every single, every single one of them done very well. 
um, they had great performances. And um, what kind of competitions were on that day? So it was track and field. So there was, we had students in 100 metres, 200 metres, long jump, 400 metres, 300 metres, 800 metres. We had a variety of events, which was great for the school and great for great to see so many students out and competing in different events. Yeah, definitely. We also had a student taking part in the hurdles and she done very, very well. Yes, very well. Thank and of course, like the hurdles would be quite a difficult kind of uh, run to master. Yes. It was very, the whole event was very entertaining, run, ran very, very well. And, you know, thanks to your training, I think, you know, people were able to give it their best. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. We had a great year and all the students that came out during the year to train, you could really see the results yesterday of the training throughout the year so it was absolutely wonderful wonderful to see and it was great for the school and of course so you're also involved a bit with the Gaelic in the school yeah. and so there's a blitz was it last week yeah so we had an under 14 blitz last week and it was in Carrick and Shannon so we played four different matches against four different schools and um, the girls played absolutely exceptional and um, so we won our first match and they done very well in the rest of the matches and the girls had a great day and it was very competitive but the girls were well able for it and we had great results. And sure, of course, we've kind of already mentioned in the podcast that, you know, it, a lot of them are just first, second years. Yeah. So they've got a lot of time to kind of improve and develop yeah. and I think they have a good chance next year of doing yeah. really, really well in their games. So yeah, it's a great upcoming team for the school for the next couple of years. So it was great to see and so many girls out from first and second year. Yeah, we look forward to September again when everything's back up because obviously the TYs are finished today. But, you know, next next um, season around and we'll have yeah. more athletic, athletics um, tournaments coming up and more blitzes as well to yeah, look forward to. Exactly. It'll be another exciting sporting year ahead. Definitely. Exactly. And kind of first year, really post-COVID as yeah, well. So that'll exactly. be great. Exactly. And it's great to see everything up and, running again, up and running again and everything going back to normal. That's great. Thank you very no much. Thank you, Jerry. Hello everyone and you're very welcome to this week's uh, Local Rugby with myself, Aidan Raftery and as always we have Adrian Leddy from Craig's Rugby Club to take it through. I suppose you could say this is uh, th- this is more like a, an awards kind of special, uh, Adrian, but th- there's there's a few matches uh, that we'll discuss, the last couple of matches I suppose to round off the season and then we'll go on to uh, the awards nights. There's a few different like... Um, Buccaneers had their awards night and then of course the Con- Connacht Rugby had theirs and things like that and uh, which Craig's did uh, did very well in as well. So I suppose we'll cover the uh, the matches first. What are um, what are the what's the latest from the matches at the weekend? Well, I'd say um, that most of the club uh, fixtures have, have all been uh, finished at this particular stage. So it's down to uh, interprovincial levels, at uh, youth levels, and at, at uh, professional levels. So um, the girls um, at under eighteen and under twenty three had had uh, great um, victories over Ulster. It just shows in in the skilling. It just shows the the the, the work and that that's going on with women's rugby within Connacht and the, and the growth of the the women's game. Uh, it was it was nice to see um, you know it's uh, at that particular level and hopefully that a lot of these girls will go on uh, to play se- senior level for for Connacht and also for for Ireland and you know it's. it's some you know there's some talent in that there and we you know it's a matter of of get, keeping them involved in the game and uh keeping them de- developed and 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 working from there so uh, the the last game that Connor has is uh, against Zebra 
Uh, it's more uh, on Saturday evening. It's more to uh, find up f- the, f- the end up of the season uh, for Connacht um, that a lot of the players will be saying farewell. Uh, there's up on 10 players that will be leaving, leaving Connacht. Um, some of them uh, retiring, uh, some of them moving on to other clubs. And always at this time of the season, it's again a sad situation when players that may have been playing with the club, uh, with Connacht, uh, for say maybe the last 10 years and, uh, the, the, and, and more and, and when they, when they leave. But, uh, there, there will be a big crowd in the sports ground to say farewell to a lot of these great stalwarts that has given their, given us a lot of enjoyment um, uh, for Connacht. So it'll be an, a nice wrap up of the of the of the season there for the for Connacht. And I suppose on the Craig side we continue with um preparing for the tag rugby um which will be starting off in June. Uh registration is available now for any under over under eighteens, you know, from eighteen upwards. And it'll be an opportunity for boys and girls and for teams um, uh, to be made up. Now, there's there's a lot of interest in it, uh, a lot of businesses, uh, Mochrana Pharma, for instance, and a lot of other businesses are showing an interest in putting in teams for it. So anybody out there uh, interested in it uh, is to just maybe make contact with us, any of the committee or Michal Glennon, and, and we'll, we'll put them right. So it will be starting in the first week in June. So... That's uh, an important event. It's the first time that uh, Craig's have taken it on under the auspices of the Connet and the IRFU. So uh, something to look forward to for the summer months. It will be ran off uh, over a period of eight weeks for on every every Thursday night. And of course, uh, I suppose for those people that don't, uh, you know, have, have a real knowledge of, you know, they know about, they might know about rugby and and the rules of the the real the real game of rugby and all that, the standard rules of the standard game of rugby. But I suppose for the the rules of tag tag rugby, uh, some some people mightn't be familiar. So I suppose just to explain to them about the the basic rules of of tag rugby and what it involves. Yeah, it's 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 no way physical. It's just a case of of getting people to move the ball, and uh, you move the ball similar to uh, to to normal rugby, and it's just looking for the to to the space and trying to hold on to possession and then get the space and to make you have particular tags on you, and you have to try and avoid the opposition pulling the tag off you while you while you're in possession of the ball. So it is a case of watching your opponent. Uh, Getting a smart pass and that out, looking for the spaces, and it it, it is made up of um, uh, boys, girls, men, and women, and uh, you know it's it 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 does bring a lot of enjoyment from that point of view. And um, again, uh, it's <clears throat> every 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 team will have to have uh, women on 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 the on their team. So there there is a a big interest there in 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 getting people in a light hearted way, getting them getting them involved in the game and a, and and a bit of enjoyment. And of course, it's more of a kind of a, so, a social thing as well. And uh, you know, maybe it, it could be a thing for people that never played tag tag rugby before. It, it, it's nearly it could be like a gateway into the actual, you know, the actual like fifteen aside rugby as well. Because if they if they enjoy this, they might. You know, to enjoy like you know, even like you know, so the social rugby or whatever. You know, within um, within Craig's as well, and 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 get involved in the club that way. 
Oh, absolutely, and it's it's a great opportunity for anybody that might <clears throat> that might be looking in on the game and wondering about uh, trying to start up the game. And um, it's uh, you know it, it's uh, it's a big it's a it's a big interest to uh, to 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 everyone. And uh, you know we 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 look we look forward to that, and we look forward to um, maybe you know some players, as you rightly says, uh, t- taking up the game on a full time basis. And of course, uh, moving on now to uh, to uh, the awards side of the game as well, and a number of clubs. I know, um, you know, with um, with uh, Buccaneers Rugby Club, they have they had their awards recently, and uh, some well deserved awards in in uh, Buccaneers on their awards night. Yeah, like there, you know, there, there, there is great, you know, like uh, Buccaneers had a a very successful year, and they had their. Uh, uh, awards night in the Sher- Shearwater Hotel. Uh, again, there was no hotel available in a, in a loan because all all these awards nights are kind of coming at the end of the season, and with, with it being uh, uh, the success um, at a number of underage teams and AIL, there was a lot of awards to be to be given out on the on on the night, and you know, <clears throat> no more than that. The you know some of the. Um, the the people that would be de- deserving that would have played well or uh, mentors, you know, there it's a great opportunity with 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 club awards and that there to to get these particular awards and uh, and we had it in uh, the the big night in in uh, Connacht uh, as well in in uh, in 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 uh, in Galway and you know like uh, Craig's where where. Uh, um, where we we came away with two awards, we had the overall award for uh, club of the year, which is a, a great achievement. It was a, you know, it came as a surprise to us on 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 the night, and we also had our own club captain and who was uh, captain of the Connacht Juniors, Brian Diffley, uh, receiving the award. Um, his um, sister and, and mother was present as as uh, Brian was out of the country himself and couldn't and couldn't be present uh, to receive the award. But like for Craig's, uh, as they said on the night, it's an acknowledgement for the the work. Uh, that in in developing it, at not alone on the field in in increasing the numbers both uh, at youth level at women's level, but also in the, the great facilities that Craig's uh, is um, providing uh, for rugby, not alone for the club for the community, and also made it available uh, to Connacht Rugby for a lot of games, a lot of schools games, club games, uh, AIL games were were played there over the year when when weather conditions uh, made their own particular pitches unplayable um, and this was a big boost uh, you know to uh, Craig's getting this, uh, this award and you know we we, we are um, it's it's everybody in, in the club it's all the the great work of volunteers of the people that are are, are, are putting in the work it's a it's an overall uh, club award to, you know for volunteers for players people that's you know just there on the ground every every week putting in putting in maybe in a quiet way putting in putting in a lot of effort into the club and uh, <coughs> excuse me i suppose uh, at the Connacht awards as well um a buccaneers man that got a, an award on the night too was uh, charlie cooper for 
as uh, I think he got one of the awards uh, awards as well for for I suppose his his um, coaching at youth level. I suppose more specifically the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers under 14s that won both the league final there before Christmas, which yourself and myself were at, and also the uh, the the kind of cup final uh, which was on recently as well so you know he has, he has done a lot with uh, on the youth side uh, with, with Buccaneers but I suppose also you know for the development of rugby in general around the you know in Buccaneers Yeah Charlie Cooper uh, is he's involved in rugby as long as myself and uh you know, he's a household name uh, within Buccaneers, uh, within within a, a lot of the schools as far as away as uh, Ross Gray, uh, involved in the regional the regional college in um, in in Atlone. He was also coach uh, within Craig's uh, when we were in the IL. So, like Charlie, Charlie goes back a long way. Associated, he was he was a full time officer with uh, with uh, Connacht Rugby as well. Um, with um, you know as as the development man and you know he has um, uh, put in put a lot of young people and uh, through through his hands uh, both the schools level at um, at regional college level and and at club level and you know that that was probably all taken into recognition in in given uh, Char- Charlie the the particular award you know so um, Charlie is, you know, is is Charlie, and he's 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 always there. He's always available. He's, you know, he covers uh, some amount of games um, during the year. He's uh, a very dedicated man to the to, to rugby. And I suppose really with Charlie, and I suppose with with a lot of coaches as well at youth level. I mean, Niall Quinn, he's involved with Craig's as well as. Uh, Buccaneers as well. There's a lot of work maybe behind the scenes that the likes of Charlie and Niall put in, you know, with other teams and maybe it's not kind of seen, but it is put in. Yeah, it's like as I say, I suppose, like if you look at coaches uh, across and going going to games uh, all over, there's there's a lot of great work and that there being done in in clubs and you know people giving up on their of their time during the week and particularly on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, there, you know, we say like people are selfish with their time, but the amount of voluntary time that uh, these particular coaches and managers uh, give to the development of the game and to underage and like it's probably across the board in all sports and you know we we take our hat off to them there because they are they are the people that's getting people out and they're with the with the young boys and girls uh, to develop them into maybe you know for for betterment for their future in 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 life and to put a bit of structure into their life and sport is great for that and you know like even if you're going into a particular job and and playing a team game uh, sport sport is uh, is is uh, very very important uh, for for uh, for a lot of um, of of people in in the in the development uh, at at an underage level. And look, finally, looking at looking at uh, Craig's going back to 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 Craig's rugby club as well as we know, and we've we've said it on on numerous weeks there uh, throughout the last couple of months with regards to the development of the facilities and the great fundraising that was undertaken, uh, you know, and selling tickets and the great prizes that are, that are available. You know, I, I suppose really the uh, the facilities, the development of the facilities must be at an advanced stage. How is that going? And I suppose credit must go, as we always say, to uh, the people 
people of the community, around the community, and also the sponsors and, and uh, the people that help raise the money as well. And also, I suppose, the people that are building, uh, the, the people that are building the facilities as well, uh, you know, the quality of their work must be praised as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people involved, Aidan, as you have outlined there, uh, to, to make all this work. And, uh, you know, it's like a jigsaw. You have to put all the pieces in that there together and, uh, and the, 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 everybody must work together. And that's, and that's what's happening at the present time in relation to the, the building is continuing. The, the weather is, um, very helpful now in the long days to, to try and, 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 and move the build, building along. So, um, you know, we, we are very appreciative of, uh, all, all our great sponsors, of all the people that subscribed, subscribed to, uh, the draw, which was an, uh, a great success. And, you know, uh, without the support of, um, the people within the community, uh, Craig's Rugby wouldn't be able to do, uh, what, what, what it is doing. But it, it will be there. It will be there after my day, uh, Aiden. And it's there for, for the generations to come. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we want to, 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 to leave, um, behind us that we, that we have something, uh, worthwhile left behind us for the, the people that's, uh, come, coming on in, in the, in the area and in the overall, uh, community. And like again, uh, we want to thank Aidan Farrell, who's finishing up his three, uh, three years as, as president of the club, uh, president, uh, Aidan has put a huge, uh, amount of time uh, along with the various committees that he, that he, he heads up as, as president of the, of, of the club. And, you know, he's, uh, he has spearheaded the, for the, the, um, in, in his term, the 4G pitch and now, and now this de- development. And, you know, on, 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 um, Friday week, he hands over the, the reins as president, uh, uh, to myself again, um, coming in as, as president. And, you know, he's leaving the, he, he's leaving the structure and the, the whole, um, uh, business of, of Craig's rugby in a very healthy state. And, you know, it's, it's for me and the new committee coming in to, to see that what Aidan has start, started, that, uh, that has brought to a fruition in, in relation to the building, um, is completely finished, completely rigged out and available there for the new gym, the facilities for the, the women and the new changing rooms and so on. So all that, um, hopefully will be, will be fully completed in, you know, in, in the next year, uh, I hope. That's it. And of course, he knows as well when he steps down and he hands the reins over to you, he knows that he knows that he's leaving the, the legacy in safe hands. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd hope so. And, uh, I'd, I'd hope that, uh, you know, the, you know, it's, it's not a one man show by any means. And it's, uh, that we have a huge, uh, lot of dedicated, uh, voluntary people, uh, within the club. And, you know, everybody, um, is prepared to, uh, roll up their sleeves and, and, and get involved. There's no, nobody, uh, is, is up there, uh, above anybody else. And that's the, the beauty of, of Craig's rugby that even if you're president, if there's a job to be done, yeah, you have to throw off the jacket and, 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 and get involved. And as Aidan was seeing out at seven o'clock in the morning when they, 
when the 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 ground works and that were be done. Aidan was out there at seven driving a dumper. So that that shows that even that you have the honour of president, you can be brought down to uh, the gr- ground level very quickly. And I suppose really you you were saying that you you'll be get, getting the reins as president. In, in the next couple of weeks as well when, when he when he steps down. So I suppose from your own point of view, when, when you take over as president, are there any goals or any things you would like to see achieved in your in your uh, tenure as president? Yes, uh, naturally enough, uh, as I said there, I would like to see that uh, the, the building is uh, fully, fully completed, fully, fully rigged out. And uh, that the the overall facilities in in you know the car parking facilities and all that we we can see that it, it can be completed uh, when the uh, when when the building work uh, is completed on the field. Uh, I would like to see us uh, developing more. I would like to see us uh, back up there as a junior one uh, club, and that we would that we would uh, win the the junior league. I would also say, like to see us, um, one of my aims would be like to see us, um, having a senior team, a women's senior team again. And, uh, you know, the, the growth there in women, if we can hold on to them, uh, to de- develop them, uh, the successful under 18 side coming on in, into a women's senior team. That, that would be, uh, some of the aims there that I would like to see the structures, the whole coaching of teams and that we would be bringing, uh, more silverware on the field uh, to, to Craig's. And of course, like, you know, we were saying there about the, about Connacht there earlier on and the, the scene at underage level for the girls and indeed the boys as well, to be fair. But I suppose really, you, you know, you see the headlines and some of the articles in, in the local media kind of in the last week or so and it showed that there was a number of uh, girls from the Craig's under 18 side actually involved in the uh, in the Connacht under 18 uh, girls team as well that, that that's a that's a great reflection on the coaching at underage level and the girls game uh, that that Craig's put in that the coaches and Craig's put in Absolutely, and you know it just shows that you know. And I'd, I'd say only for entry, we we may have a couple more, but that's uh, you know it's it's great, and it's it's great for them young girls to get that ex- experience, exposure at that particular level. And you know it can only bring on their game. And uh, let's hope that what they learn, they'll bring it back to the the other players and in in and improve um, their players. It gives them the confidence there to be able to help their their fellow players and that they're along as well. So it it was good to see um uh, uh Aiden, good to see any time that uh, Craig Craig's people get onto a representative side. Um uh, we we are we are very very happy that we are uh, going in the right direction and uh, we are making progress. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for uh, doing uh, local rugby with us this season. And of course, uh, I suppose that that's that's it for now for this season with regards to uh, with reg- with regards to uh, local rugby for this season. But I, I suppose it'll be nice uh, now. I suppose in the next couple of weeks you'll be taking over the presidency of the of Craig, so you, you'll be kind of easing your way in, into that job. Overseeing the uh, the the completion of the of the um, of Craig's Rugby Club, you know the facilities there, and I suppose there'll be a lot of kind of other things like pre-season training. You won't you wouldn't find that coming 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 around for I suppose at all levels. Um, so I suppose we won't find it too too long until we'll be we'll be starting uh, local rugby again in a, in a few months' time. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, like it's hard to think about it that probably pre-season training will start in July. Um, the games will start in mid-August again. So you know, it's a very short window anymore. Uh, in 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 the rugby circle, in in getting games. Uh, in, in being back into a new season, so uh, at least at the having the gym at this time of the year can maybe give you a breather for uh, a number of weeks uh, before the the new season starts. No problem. Well, listen. Thanks very much for taking the time out to do it, and we look forward to doing it all again. Uh, you know, when there when there's more stuff to you know, um, I suppose discuss like how preseason is going and how how things are going as regards preparing for next season. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks again very much, Aidan, and thanks uh, to Roscommon FM and to yourself for the great coverage that you've given rugby uh, throughout the last season. No problem, and thanks very much for uh, taking the time out. Now you, you've given a, a lot of time to us, so uh, I suppose it's a great partnership between between yourself and Ross FM that uh, you know we're able to give coverage to Craig's and and uh, I suppose Connacht and indeed Buccaneers and uh, Carrick and Carrick uh, Rugby Club as well, and indeed in, indeed the Ireland ladies and Ireland men's team. Yes, absolutely. It's it's you know it's good to be able to put them all on the map and to let the public know what's what's happening on a rugby front. No problem. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much, Adrian. Former ones, Formula One view. Myself, Aidan Raffi, and our Formula One expert, as always, Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael. Hello, Aidan, and how's it going with you this week? Not too bad. No, not too bad, Michael. You're allowed to you're allowed to press the button. Don't worry. There isn't a fine for improper use. Is there? Are you sure about that now? I'm positive. Yeah, I looked on the legal yeah, side. I, I do. I do remember the Paul Egan button pressing incident. I, I, I didn't want to repeat it. That like, oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to talk about that. Sorry, uh, just write it off the record, please. <laughs> so, uh, as always, there's as always there's uh, plenty to talk about in the world of Formula One. Uh, so, what's the latest going on? And of course, there's uh, as always there's another uh, Grand Prix to look at, look, look ahead to, and uh, one to look back on as well. Well, this next week now coming up at this stage now, um, our new race. We were looking at Miami last week um, with, the, with the race one, that one. And now we have a very different track coming up this weekend. That, of course, is Spain now. Spain is very significant. It really is. Um, it's a very, very important little race track for many, many reasons. Just as a, a, a peculiar one on this. Um, Red Bull are going to run a junior driver in free practice one in Barcelona on the Friday. I'll tell you why. Um, a lot of people didn't notice it coming through, but the, the FI Association brought in a mandatory practice outing for rookies this year for every single team, which is a great one because, I mean, it's one of the biggest challenges of any young driver. It, was I, I thought I, I thought I saw I thought I saw yourself and Paul Egan around the Formula One car all right and I said what I, the, I, I, so that must have been what that was about yeah yeah well well we can neither confirm nor deny we were and we can neither confirm nor deny unidentified flying objects yeah we we can neither confirm or deny the the the, the incident with the John Player special in the Tyrrell fifteen years ago. There you go. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but but that's as you can probably, that's a legacy issue, you know. Absolutely, I'm telling you. But <laughs> as you could probably figure yourself, anyway, it's kind of you know it's hard to get into Formula One. It really is, on, unless you've a you know unless you've a famous name like Egan behind your name, you know, and which this guy doesn't. Um, your money. Yuri Vips, believe it or not, is the man's name, and um, he is currently where is he? He's. Eighth, I think, at the Formula Two. 
um, Drivers' Championship, which is kind of surprising because, you know, normally to speak about the top two or three, like Mick Schumacher and people like that um, coming in. But no, they're giving the guy a shot, which is great. Uh, and, and it is amazing because it is very hard to get any track time at all in F1 cars um, for the last 20 years because they're just, you know, they're geared around towards the driver and then, you know, it's all a state secret what's going on. And, you know, we'll have no more incidents like the Paul Egan photographic incident or, or anything like that. Like, you know, so we have to watch our P's and Q's, as I say, you know, yourself. It's, it's always dodgy at times, you know, especially. Yeah, well, you know, this this show is actually kind of, kindly sponsored by Paul Egan. So that's where we're giving him honorable mentions. Yes, honourable. Are we giving them honourable mentions? All right. Uh, yeah, I better give them a few more in that case. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> But I just thought that was a little interesting thing. He's 21-year-old Estonian, and, well, he's going to get a bit of a blast on Friday, which is great. Now, something that I did think was definitely worth noting, uh, McLaren and the Mind Mel- Mental Health Charity have announced they're going to do a fundraising challenge with the aim of raising 59000 in the build-up to the to the week of the British Grand Prix. Um, one lap for mind will be a fundraising challenge where people can walk or cycle 5.9 kilometres, the distance of, of one lap basically around Silverstone. And that's going to happen between uh, June 27th and June ter- uh, July 3rd. Um, either going the full distance in one or actually people can break it down into two stages too, if you want to. Now, moreover... Any participant in the challenge who raises more than £59 will automatically be entered entered into a prize draw to meet Lando yes. Norris and Danny Ricardo at Silverstone and go for a stroll around the track, 5.9 kilometres, with the two guys, including um, McLaren team principal Andreas Seil and, of course, uh, McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown. Um, so there's an opportunity and a half if you if you fancy doing a walk for uh, for a good charity and um, and you might even get a chance to have a stroll with two F1 drivers. That wouldn't be a bad win at all, now, would it? Well, that's it, and of course, all proceeds are going to your, uh, you know, you know the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the next the next Grand Prix after this, you know, so you can report for us FM. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny the funds were just sitting in my account. <laughs> sitting in my yeah. account. Sorry, rest. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we know, yeah. we're, we're Spain this weekend, and the battle continues. As I say, uh, swords have been drawn, horses have been readied. Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen uh, squaring off again, round six. Um, it's a great little track if you're tuning in, which I hope people are. Um, practice one, two, and three are on the 20th and 21st of May, which is the, the Friday and the Saturday. Of course, qualifying's on the Saturday as well, and the race will be on uh, our time at on the Sunday 22nd of May. This is a great track. Um, first Grand Prix was in 1991, believe it or not, and it is quite a short circuit length, uh, short uh, sh- circuit length. That sounds weird, short circuit. But anyway, <laughs> 4.675 kilometers, which is quite short. Um, lap record, Max Verstappen at 180.149, and it's a 66 lap race at just a wee bit over 308 kilometers. What's the circuits like? Well, the drivers absolutely love this track because there's huge areas to, to, to this massive 
um, main straight, which is obviously where the DRS zone is, and then it kind of curves and chinks and kicks all over the place. There is a, the second DRS section actually is between third nine and third ten. I don't think you're going to see an awful lot there. I think it's going to be the main street where straight where you're going to see anything really on that. Now, the Spanish Grand Prix has long been a very important place. And, and this is really where it gets interesting because this weekend or this race, we're going to expect really to see a raft of upgrades on the cars right across um, the field, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be just tinkering a bit with their, with their cars and, and, and hopefully gaining a few points on the way. Um, why is this? People have said, well, it, it comes at a good time and it's in a good location. I mean, Formula One cars are basically developed over the winter and uh, the designers, the mechanics, the machines working day and night to get prepared for their tests get the car forwards and um, get the cars done so they can basically produce uh, the parts and components for the car. Uh, as soon as those designs are locked in, you know, parts can be made, but the design process moves on and throughout you're trying to test and things like that. Now, recently, you know, we've had the Miami Grand Prix. Okay, there's a bit of a tour to get over there, as you could probably guess. So yeah. trying to push in time for new parts just didn't happen. And before that, we had Imola, which had sprint racing. So that was a crammed weekend. So there was absolutely no chance to get any new parts in there at all. Now, Spain is different. It's at a good time and it's in a very good location, as they say. Um, It's a track that every Formula One driver knows about. Um, Everyone knows Catalonia like the back of their hand and they spend most of their time testing and driving here, be it in junior categories as well as Formula One, really. Uh, It's absolutely amazing, which means, you know, you're going to know what's different with this car the second you jump into it. And there's no need to get, you know, to get up to speed with your car because you already know and you know the track well. So it's kind of a great little spot for that. The drivers can give more information, not to mention the fact that the circuit features a massive, massively different corners, a sweeping corner, yeah. 90 degree bends. It's incredible for that sort of thing. It is a great test track. I have to admit, I mean, there's, there's what is it? It's 16 corners in it, whether it's wet or dry. It's absolutely incredible. And the short lap time is a major benefit because of course, if you're trying to evaluate something, you want to go out with what you have and then come back in and go out with the new thing. Now, if you have a short lap, it doesn't take you a lot of time to go around and come back in again. You're saving time so you can actually do it faster. And you can be a little bit punchier with things. You can be a bit more aggressive, you know, and just get yeah. it out there and push it in, you know. Uh, is, is, there, is, is there any kind of, you know, for a new driver that has never been on it, um, uh, also, like, w- would you consider it as like maybe one of the season-defining tracks to have a race on? And y- you know, where would the, I suppose the winning and losing be? But are there any, um, you know, like if you were behind in the race and you wanted to make up, you wanted to make up a distance to to catch up with the the driver in front of you. Are there any areas that's kind of best for for that? You know, and I suppose is this one of those tracks where, um, as I always say in, in other podcasts, <laughs> where, where um, 
I suppose the tire, the changing tires, the pit stop strategy is, is key, or is it one of those because it's such a short lap time that maybe, you know, is it is it really defined? I know, like there's there, there's Formula One races held there, but is that can it be regarded any more more, more than um, a test track? Like, I mean, is it has it earned the right to be called yeah an actual really proper Grand Prix track, or is it just like it will be known more for te- for testing? Everybody loves this track, absolutely everybody, for testing and for a race. Um, it is an incredible track. It, it, this is a race track where if two guys get on this race track in exactly the same car, the guy who wins is the better driver. End of story. If you're in exactly the same car, because it's just incredible. It's a mix of so much stuff. It's a mix of a big, long, straight, sweeping corners, tight corners. It's all over the place. It really is. I mean, say, you know, with the with the new rules, and I suppose the new additions are things that were taken away from the cars this year because of rule changes, like, like we discussed at the start of yeah. the season. Um, where, what, what, would the, what things are you expecting from this race in that, in that context? Uh, well, I'm expecting DRS not to be as important as it was in Miami. There is a good long straight here, but it's not long enough. So I'd say with the changes and the aerodynamics and things that we've seen on cars, I'm expecting DRS to be less important. I am expecting people to definitely be able to tailgate each other very easily. It really is going to be a, it is a mixed bag. Um, totally. I mean, it, it depends on your car. There's no car perfect for this because it's got fast sections and it's got twisty sections. The fast sections are going to really suit cars like Mercedes and Red Bull. The twisty sections are really going to suit cars like Ferrari and McLaren. So this track is, it is incredible. It's a, it, it's fabulous to watch what drivers do because a good driver can really, really make a difference here. Now I know the short lap time, you know, people say, oh, well, is there this, there is that. It's still 66 laps. So you're still going 308 and a half kilometers in a distance, like, you know what I mean? In a, in your hour and 25 minutes, you know? So, I mean, it's, um, it's still got the distance. Um, the laps will allow people to definitely react faster with the shorter the, the shorter lap times, the shorter lap, I should say, and um, will allow people, you know, if you go over the start finish line and go, right, I need new tires, well, you don't have as far to go anymore. So, yeah. you know, you're not going to have to take care of them as hard. You're going to be able to get out and get back out again, get in and back out again rather quickly compared to yeah. every other track. So I would expect a lot of heavy dicing on this track. I'd expect... Like, you know, you're going to see people like, you you know, Max Verstappen will harry anybody in sector one, um, part of sector two, and then sector three, uh, half of two and sector three, you're going to see Charles Leclerc harrying people. You know, it depends on the way the car moves. It's a very interesting track. It really is. It just, there's nowhere like it. And I'd say I've never been to it. having to send Michael to, <laughs> to every Formula One race next year. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we're having a party for that, aren't we? We're having a party. Oh, oh, on, on rival coverage. Absolutely. A party and a benefit night. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. 
But it's um, Bart's my go from my page to you, and uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> you know. But it really is just it, it is high speed corners, low speed corners. That's absolutely everything. Turn three is a great right hander. I have to admit, if you if you do get to see it, it's just the cars are practically flat out around it. It is. It's not a gentle corner. It's a sharp enough 180 degree bend, but it's not a sharp bend. Uh, and they really do. They, they really do make a lot of. Um, to can if there's going to be an accident, actually, that's the one that's going to be because it's very easy for people to slip out slightly by going just that wee bit too fast. Um, and I'd say that is definitely something you're going to see there. Really, it's just. I- I suppose general conditions, I suppose, on the day of the qualifiers, qualifying and the race itself, what are the uh, what are the expected conditions and who can you see that, what driver do you think will this, what driver would you say will excel on, on, on this sort of track out of all the drivers? It's supposed to be dry, 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 dry. We're hoping so anyway, although I do love <laughs> I do love a bit of race. Oh, that, how do you see that affecting the race as well and the qualifying, oh, like I mean, the time, time-wise and all that? Yeah, well, rain, as we know, slows the cars down, but but I find rain is a great leveler of the playing field. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get somebody like Jensen Button out there in the rain, and he's such a smooth driver, the guy's gone. Uh, Michael Schumacher was the same. He he used to actually, when he was in, car- in his karting days, he had very little money. And um, when other carts were throwing away their slick tires because they were worn out, he was using them um, because he couldn't afford tires. So he was well used to driving something that was slippy uh, and therefore it made his driving very smooth. So smooth drivers tend to do very well in the wet. Um, you can have a car that's not not as good as the two in front of you. doesn't matter if you can handle that wet rain a bit better. Um, that's something I have to admit I love about the rain. It is fun in that respect, you know, but... Um, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's supposed to be dry, dry, dry this weekend. So, unfortunately, I think that's the way it's going to be. Um, it, it is just a crack and track. Tyres, even on this one, is going to be quite difficult. Um, it's pretty average for track traction and braking, really, this track. But tyre stress, mm, that's a little bit on the higher side, I have to admit. The, the track doesn't tend to, looking at other races, it doesn't tend to evolve much, shall I say. Um, yeah. as the race go on it doesn't seem to be other than the black line of, of rubber the lads are putting down it doesn't really doesn't really change that much but uh, the sort of material the sort of asphalt they're using there on the track itself it's it's a vibration side so I think everyone's going to be driving medium and hard tyres soft uh, I don't know why Pirelli are bringing soft uh, I have no idea because I can't see anybody on in no time at all if you're on soft tires just just as an aside there the average um pressure for tires the front tires is 22.5 uh, pascals and the the rear ones on average are about 19 pascals about the same rate of pressure that paul egan would put on a glass of guinness um as he's <laughs> having a drink uh, around that area you know so it's quite severe uh, so that's that's quite a little in that makes for some point of guinness yeah well, i'm telling you it would be but it's, uh, with the race itself now, it's not only is it going to be upgrade city, um, but like I definitely think you know, can anybody loosen the Ferrari? Hold, um, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think. 
putting up the raft of upgrades too. The only way I think anyone's going to get anywhere is if one of these upgrades doesn't work well at all, or if an upgrade decides it's, it, 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 somebody hasn't spotted something and it's going to break down. Um, but I cannot see anybody getting past the Ferraris and the Red Bull at all. Now, Spain is traditionally Mercedes country. Every pole position, believe it or not, since 2013 has gone to a Mercedes. Uh, and Lewis Hamilton, I think, has had more Spanish uh, Grand Prix pole positions than any driver on the grid at the moment. But of course, this year things are an awful lot different because he's driving in a car that, you know, really can't fight for the championship. Well, so far anyway. Upgrades have probably yeah. changed that. And I think um, Toto Wolf says that they're hopeful they will make a step forwards. But I mean, you know, I'm sure Ferrari and, 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 and Red Bull are making their step forwards too, you know. So it's um, going to be an interesting one that way. Um, feeling brave enough to choose which team <laughs> are going to be favourites favorites to head into weekend. Uh, I'm certainly not, but um, so far... I don't- if you're looking at it, the battle is kind of big swings left and right between Red Bull and Ferrari. And I can't really see that changing at all, to be honest with you. I mean, even the last race, Ferrari locked out the front row totally. Um, okay, Max did win the race. There's no arguing there. And Max is on a bit of a, a climb at the moment. He's doing very, very well for himself, um, you know, which is great. But it's um, it's hard to say who's going to win here. One person that's got something to prove this weekend um, is Carlos Sainz. Um, you know, you're, you're in Spain. Fernando Alonso has been the darling of the Spanish crowd for two decades at this stage. But, I mean, Carlos himself, this is a huge event for him. This is, this is his home event, and he has quite a lot of fans there. I mean, even, even in the days when he was driving Renault and McLaren cars, uh, who were like outsiders. You know, he's had a full grandstand backing him on his home races, which is great. But I suppose the difference is this year, he is a car that's capable of winning. So, I mean, he's going to want to make a bit of history here and achieve one of his uh, teams and win a Formula One race. And what better to do? But Axel is going to be sort of very interesting at the minute. Not to mention the teams are going to be pushing because Ferrari is only six points ahead of Red Bull in the championship at the moment. What are they going to do there? You know, it's just a kind of a bit, a bit odd, really. You know, it's just they're going to need to do something. Ferrari are definitely going to be pushing like say to try and get somewhere in qualifying. Spain is historically very much suited to front runners. There's only been three drivers that have ever run. Uh, ever won the race, I should say, from outside the top two. That would have been Max Verstappen, um, Fernando Alonso in 2013, and I think Michael Schumacher in 96 or 97. They're the only three drivers that have ever won um, who weren't on the front row of the grid, um, which is really okay. interesting. And I mean, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to be on the front row if you're going to win. Now, maybe Max Verstappen can throw that one out again. He's done it before. Um, so hopefully... That will be good. And he's currently shrugging off any potential reliability hiccups people are asking about in the last two races. So he's definitely a driver to beat this weekend. And I mean, Leclerc still leads the championship. Uh, you know, and the Ferrari upgrades, could they help him stay ahead? Me, personally, okay, all right. 
I think it's going to be a front row Ferrari lockout, uh, like my like Miami. I think they've got a push on here. I think Charles Leclerc. I don't know. I, I, I think he might pull it out, and I think Carlos Sainz will be trying to push like hell to get ahead of everyone else. This is his home race, and so I think, that's a, so that's your top three, is it? Well, and, uh, who would uh, who would be your wild card as well as your top three? Oh, I'm I'm putting George Russell in there as the wild card again. Uh, <laughs> I am putting him in. He's not going to be anywhere in qualifying in the top, uh, top front two rows of the of the grid. He might be in third or fourth, but the guy is just amazing. He's really doing such a good job. He's he's you know he's in a car that's not as good, and yet he's doing very well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. If he'd finish ahead of Hamilton again, it's getting a little bit embarrassing at the moment, I would have said, um, for like the new guy who's, you know, not around very long to be to be ahead all the time. But, you know, we, we will see what happens there. If you're a betting man, I'm not myself, I have to admit, but if you are, um, odds for the win, uh, Max Verstappen and, and Charles Leclerc. They're both they're both the same, really. Any of the two of them they're putting in. They've Carlos Sainz in at thirteen to one, which I think is uh, 